such an incredible privilege to be able to be part of the kingdom of God. There's no such things like the kingdom of God. I don't know how you feel. Just to be able to be called a disciple in the movement of God. To be able to come together from all these countries and cities and gather together as one family under one king, Jesus Christ. It is such an amazing privilege to be in love with God. And uh, so this morning I want to express my deepest gratitude to God, to Kip, to Michael, to Michelle, to Tim, Leanne, all my new friends since I joined the new movement. I can count you all. Yeah. I mean, coming into the new movement, Andrew, Patrick, all like all these new faces. Some of you, I knew you from before. Some of you are veterans like me. Some of you are young, fired up evangelists and disciples. Yeah. I'm so happy to be back into the battlefield. And uh, thank you so much for the great church in London for hosting us. This is our city of refuge. And we came back into the battle wounded, leaping, you know, and crying. But today we can stand and take that sword again and go back into the battlefield. So tonight, this morning, the title of my charge is Remembering Your First Love. And before we go further, please let's bow down our head and pray to God. Father Lord, dear God, dear Father, Abba, we love you. You are the king of the universe. There's nothing that Lord you cannot do. Thank you so much for watching over our souls. Thank you for giving us the amazing privilege Lord God Almighty to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So that we can be adopted into your family and become your true sons and daughters. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that testify to our spirit that we are children of God. And that is what we are indeed. Thank you so much, Father, for the great task and the great purpose that you've given us at baptism. To go into all nations and make them your disciples in your strength. This morning I'm not worried to speak on your behalf. I'm just a weak human vessel. Put my flesh aside and deliver the speech to your people. Father, you know our needs better than ourselves. Father, you know our shortcomings better than ourselves. But this morning we trust you, Father, to unleash the power of your spirit to change our hearts. Give us the right vision, the right attitude, Father, for us to be ready to conquer this planet with the gospel of Jesus in one generation. Thank you so much for our leader and Captain Kip McKean and his great wife and our mother in the faith, Elena McKean. Father, we pray that you strengthen them. Father, I then lead the charge, Father. Fill them with your spirit. Give them your directions. Destroy anything that is not from you, Lord. And just give them a fresh vision so that together your army can march from city to city and take in souls of men captive for your glory. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 2. 
from one to seven. This book is the best book of the Bible because it's the last. You see, in uh, this address to the church in Ephesus, right there, we have to understand a little bit of the background of this letter because I'm, I'm going to be speaking from the book of Eph- from the letter to the church in Ephesus. Okay. Disciples since the start of the church in Pentecost in 33 AD. They've been going through a lot of persecution. After persecution started with the martyr of Stephen, the church had never rested again. The devil was so eager to destroy the message of the gospel that from decades to decades, the church has been persecuted heavily by the Roman Empire, by the Jewish people, and up to Nero, Emperor Nero in the year 68. Paul and Peter got killed because of their faith. And thousands of disciples were crucified. In 64, there was a great fire in Rome. And after that fire destroyed a large part of the city, Nero blamed Christians for being the author of this. And then Thousands of disciples were murdered, crucified, and used as torch to enlighten the city. And after Nero, a couple of emperors came, and then Domitians in the year 96, before 96, because he died actually in 96. Domitians probably from 84 to 96. Mm There was a heavily persecutions against disciples again. Right. And at this time, most of the disciples were gone, all of them. John was the only one alive. Yeah. And John, because he kept preaching the words, he did not back up. Wow. John was imprisoned for his faith, and then later on he was born, as Michael shared yesterday, in burning oil. But God save him. But he was later exiled on the island of Patmos for hard labor. And it was during this dark time that Jesus opened heaven and showed him the book of Revelation. Gave him this incredible vision and revealed what the end of story is going to look like. It was looking very dark. But our God will never lose a battle. And he wrote to the churches, to the seven churches. And you have one pattern to on, in all these letters. Jesus will always start by commanding the church, encouraging us for our faith. And then he will rebuke us. And we like to be rebuked from time to time, right? Because sometimes we can sleep easily. And then he will warn them and then give them great promises if they repent. And right here in Ephesus, from 1 to 7, we're going to read right now. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks around the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. And I found them false. You have persevered. And I've endured hardship for my name. I have not grown weary. 
yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which are also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What an incredible letter. And in this letter, I have three points for you this morning. Number one, remember. Number two, repent. And then number three, do the things you did at first. Number one, remember. Remember what? It is very important we are looking at verse four. Sometimes a little bit confusion about the object of our remembrance. But over here in the Bible is very clear. Verse 4. Yet the whole day is against you. You have abandoned, in another version, you have forsaken your first love. What is he talking about? What first love is he talking about? Some people think he's saying, oh, remember your first deeds. Remember your hard work. That's not what he's talking about. Because if you follow the verses, we have to read the scriptures in context. Read the previous verses and then you understand what Jesus is talking about. Now, now let's go to the previous verses. Look in verse 2 over here. What do they have? Look, see, he's commending them for something that we have to notice this morning. I know your deeds. He's talking about the actual deeds. I know what you're doing. That's what he's saying. I know your deeds, and I know also your hard work. So come back to your first love. He's not talking about hard work because he's already commended them for working hard. And he said, I know your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. So you see from this context that he's not talking about hard work. Because he's already commending them from doing it. So what is he talking about? For Jesus to be so serious. Yes, I'm encouraging you. You're working hard. I know you did. You have patience. You have persevered. But I have something against you. This serious. And this will get our attention this morning. As disciples of Christ. You have left. You have abandoned your first love. And I truly believe he's talking about their first love for him. Yes. You've abandoned your first work, Lord. You've been walking hard. Mm-hmm. He commands your past and present dates. He commands their perseverance and hardship. He encourages them. You see, Jesus is in a position to command or rebuke. Because he walks among the seven golden lampstands. He is the king of the churches. Amen. Amen? But the rebuke is huge. Do you remember your first love for Christ? And John got this really clearly because in all the apostles, John is known as the apostles of love. So you understand a rebuke about love. John 3.16, John said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Amen? 
First John 3 verse 1. How great is the law of the Father as lavish upon us that we should be called children of God. I mean, if you want to understand God's love, you read all the letters of John. So you understand this rebuke. But this morning, my question to you and me is, do you understand the rebuke? Have you forsaken your first love? And another question that back this one up is, do you have a first love? Because there are young Christians as well in this room. Right? And you remember every marriage, every great relationship starts with a period of great passion. You can't walk into a marriage without being passionate about your wife or your husband. Yeah. It's not possible. Yeah. The day you go to that court, you know, you see that the mayor in that mayor office, when people are looking at you, I mean, I remember the day I got married. My eyes were shining like stars. I mean, absolutely. I probably spent, you know, two days before getting married without even thinking about food. I was so full of love for Patricia. Bro, eat some food. I mean, don't worry about food. What is food? I have a food that you don't know about. I'm in love. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was counting the hours. 48 hours. 42 hours. 35 hours. I was fired up. I was in bed, but I couldn't sleep. And my friend were encouraging me, bro, bro, you need some sleep. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm getting married. And I remember that day with my new jacket, my new hairstyle. I was fired up looking at myself into the mirror. I was like, I was singing alone into my bathroom. Hallelujah. Blesses Jesus. Full of love. And I remember walking out there and then brothers came. I didn't even see the faces of people who came to my wedding. I was just there like this wedding. And then the music started the show. I was there. I'm the prince. And I'm waiting for the princess. And then now they sweet this music and then they put this amazing Mozart music, classical music. And all of a sudden there's an angel coming all in white. And then I was shaking like this. And the preacher was so conscious of that state and then he touched me and said, bro, you're going to be fine. Just make sure you open your legs, be calm, breathe. I was like... And I'm looking at my wife. She's coming. I'm like, wow, almost fainting. I was so in love. And then when they did the proclamation, and they did, this is your wife. I thought Jesus was going to come back that day. I was so in love. We're walking in the street the first day, the first week. I'm like, honey, I love you. And I became a poet. I've never wrote any poetry in my life. But I was so inspired by that deep love for my wife. I could do anything for my wife. So I was sitting down and thinking about this poet. I mean, it's just flowing. When you have heart, love as your motivation, inspiration will flow. Honey, you're the only star of my life. In my galaxy, there's only one shining star. And then I wrote all these letters, all these poems, being creative, crafting these cards and all these others. The first year, the second year, maybe a little bit. And then the third year, maybe once in a while. The fourth year, I don't even remember if I did. And then one day, maybe after, we've been married for 18 years now. One day I was cleaning my bedroom. And we've been moving from place to place. I've been a disciple for 23 years. We've been moving from city to city, from place to place. One day I decided to clean the room. And the Lord had a special message for me. In all the 
these garbages, there was a special package that I wanted to open. Most of them I didn't open, but that one I just wanted to open to find out what's inside. Oh, you won't believe this. All my whole cars to my dear wife. And I sat down on the bed. I'm like, wow, let me go through all this. I couldn't believe I was the one that wrote all this. And it looks like it was a different husband. I was like, this one is cool. Wow. Man, I was so inspired. Like, this is amazing. And then after a while, I just started crying. I was like, and then I was thinking, what was the last time I took time to write an amazing card to my dear wife? My first love was gone. And then I went to her and said, honey, you know, I found this stuff. You know, the sisters are always merciful. <laughs> you know, all this, all these great cards and, you know. And she's like, oh, those cards? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I read them. I wrote them. What happened? Honey, I just wanted to pen. I want to come back to my first love. For you, I'm going to be a poet again. Forgive me, I've been distracted by great things. But there's only one thing that matters. My love for you. And I'm sure it's been a couple of times like that, you know, 18 years of marriage, that I had to go back to my first love. Yes. Now, remember, as amazing as this story can be, the first love of my life is not actually Patricia, my wife. The first love of my, my life is Jesus Christ. Yes. And everything that we see physically foreshadow spiritual realities. And God was using that to teach me about my love for Christ. Yes. And many times in my disciples life I had to go back to that because you know falling in love is something that can happen instantly but for that to last you have to maintain it you have to work on it you have to fight for it you have to so cultivate water it for it to stay that's why when you see married couple coming to you say oh you know what you know I don't feel that love anymore what do you mean yeah love is not just a feeling it's a responsibility it's a commitment. Sometimes you don't expect to feel it before you do it. As you are doing it because you have convictions, then you are bringing these feelings back. So many times I repented for that. Just serving God without the right heart. Sometimes I find myself being more in love with the kingdom than with the king. How can you love the kingdom more than the king? Where are you getting your instructions from? Sometimes I was so fired up preaching, doing mission, traveling some city city, preaching the gospel, starting churches without the king. And where are you getting your instructions from? What are you telling people? Because look at this one. Your impact depends on the state of your relationship. With the Lord we're sending you. It's not really about knowing the scriptures. It's about knowing the one behind the scriptures. Now, if you're preaching about Jesus, what are you telling people about a Jesus that you don't really know? What about if you get married to somebody on the internet that you never met him? And then you have to share about that loved one that you've never seen before. Oh, let me tell you about my loved one. He lives in, you know, Scandinavia there, right? Um, Oh, have you seen him? Not yet. But I'm so in love with him. Do you know, you know, how he looks? Uh, Not yet. You know? How 
can you talk about Jesus if you're not deeply in love with Jesus? That's what he's talking about. Remember your first love. Brother and sister, what's happening to your life today? You see, in the state, in the life of every church, of every believer, there are four stages of in your relationship with God. When you got baptized now, that's the final stage when everything is an adventure. Yeah. When we all got baptized. You remember those days? I mean, Mike, yesterday. The reason why it's great to have a baptism in front of the church is not just for the one getting baptized. It's for all of us, in a certain sense, to be baptized again. Yeah. In a certain sense. It's for you and me to remember our first love. Remember the day you went in this baptistry. Yeah. We all go through that stage, the panel stage, an adventure. When you were so in love, you wanted to spend time with Jesus every time. The preacher was saying you need to spend time with Christ two times a day. You're thinking, come on, two times a day if I love Christ, ten times a day. I'm fired up. I remember when I got baptized, I came out of the water. I was like, wow. And I believe everything they taught me in the Bible. You are a new creature. You're going to heaven. You have the Holy Spirit and nothing is impossible to you. Then I went to the preacher. I said, nothing is impossible to us. So, bro, you know what we're going to do? We're going to evangelize the whole world. You know, uh, let me tell you what I'm going to do. You have to send me next month. I'm going. And then I already had my plan. I came with my plan. Everything that I, we're going to do this, do this. You know that? Uh, who's coming for the first anniversary service? Oh, that brother from Abidjan. Oh, they speak French. I'm going to Abidjan. I, I speak French. I'm going to Abidjan. Bro, yeah, let's talk. Bro, it's burning. I, I need to do some. I'm in love with Jesus. Bro, calm down. Calm down. And then that brother came from Abidjan. And then he preached a message. And I went and I said, oh, bro, thank you so much. Bro, please, I'm coming to Abidjan. So what for? I'm a new disciple. I love Jesus. And I speak French. We're going to evangelize all these people speaking French. He was like, he just surrendered. He said, when are you coming? I said, next week. He said, no, no, give me a couple of months. I was fired up. And then he said, okay, can I take you a video there? Yeah, you have to give a message to the church in Abidjan. Tell them you are their brother. I was like, hello, church in Abidjan. I'm a disciple, your brother. This is amazing what Jesus did for us. I am coming soon. And when I come, oh my goodness, we're going to burn the city with the gospel. They were like, who is this crazy guy? And then I remember landing in Abidjan, and then I was sleeping in the brother's flat. And then one morning I woke up. And then I saw, uh, after going out to evangelize with disciples, I came back and there was a great sister serving in the kitchen, cooking the food. And I look at her like this. She was Patricia. And she was cooking, serving the brothers. I was like, wow, what a great heart. And in my head, in my head I'm thinking, she's the one we're going to evangelize, display all this stuff. But I was so abrupt with no style. She was like John the Baptist, a crazy guy with a lot of dreams, and she was afraid of me, scared of me. So every time I go around, hey, hello, sister, she was like, oh, hey, who's your guy? <laughs> I remember that first love, going out in the street, preaching every day. Every day, I, brother, between noon and two o'clock, let's go out in the street and preach the gospel. Oh. We're preaching in the street every day, losing my voices, having headache, and sleeping in peace. Oh, Lord. Mm. But after a couple of years, that love of God was gone. I became an administrator. Now I was leading churches. I became a VIP in the kingdom of God. You see, VIP, you can't sweat anyhow. You have to be very clean, you know. Just 
don't mess up with me because I'm leading churches and I'm very important. And then I started loving titles and roles in the kingdom. And before I found out, my love for Christ was gone. But now I was loving the church and the programs and the title. Who's going to be the speaker on that program? Is it me? Okay, I'm going to come number two or number three. Why did you put me number three? Oh, bro, I have an issue. I have to confess, bro. Why are you putting me number three? I mean, I thought that I was preaching more than this guy, right? I was rebuked a couple of times. I was just like, no, I got to be, you know, I'm the important man. I'm a geographic sector leader. So when I go to conferences, I pick the people I fellowship with. I need to fellowship with those who are just like me. I'm a chosen one. You know? And then brothers will come to me, hey, bro, how you doing? Hey, man, hey, man, bro, love you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Now I'm looking. Oh, this guy is a geography sector leader. That guy is a geography sector leader. Hey, bro, can we just spend time together, you know? We're leading the kingdom. Before I found out, I was so far away from God. Even though every week I was preaching five to six times, I was far away. I was hurting in my heart. I was empty. I was sitting in the churches, and I was thinking in my head, what am I doing here? Because I didn't feel the excitement anymore. And a couple of times this has happened to me, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you. This is a constant danger. And you have to be aware of it, no matter what position you have, no matter what role you have, your first love is still Jesus Christ. You go to a panel stage and after that you have a growth stage. Growth stage, now because you are loving God with passion, now God is blessing you. You're having disciples baptized, new people coming, and the church is growing. And then before you find out, you become very complacent. You're developing various areas in the ministry, and then you get to the maturing stage. You begin to mature. Members also begin to get settled and then become a bit complacent. And then the fourth stage is a dying stage. Where while the members are becoming more and more complacent, the momentum shifts from upward to downwards. But you see, this church was productive. In the surface, they had a lot of deeds. A lot of great things, great programs for marriage, for singles, for everything was just perfect. But in the inside, the church was dying. And only Jesus can see that. Because he sees far than we can see. Right? The church was very productive. I know you did. The church at its best. Amen? I know your works. A lot of activities going on. I know your labor. The amount of effort and energy the members put into his ministry. You see all this? It was a persevering church. They didn't go back into the world. They didn't quit. Right. They were all there every time serving tirelessly. But God has something. But I forgot the best thing. It was not a passionate church anymore. Right. You can be passionate. And you can lose your, you can be productive, but you can lose your passion. Yes, right. Amen, brothers and sisters. Is that the way you're feeling this morning? If you are the way you're feeling this morning, there's hope. Okay. Amen. Amen. And then, after that, you see that, those are, these are the signs that show you that your love for Jesus is not there. No matter in what role you're serving. You don't have the strong desire to spend time with God anymore. Somebody has to disciple you on spending time with your loved one. I mean, what about if Patricia found out that the only time that I come to her to take her out on date is when Tim Kern and Michael uh, Williamson or, you know, one of my brothers will come in and say, bro, when was the last time you spent a time with your wife? I said, no, I, I don't I forget, bro. I don't, I don't do it. Bro, repent. 
You love your wife. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Don't love your wife. And then I go back, hey honey, let's go out for a date. And then she found out, somebody told her, you know what? He took you out, but actually it was not his idea. There's somebody behind him telling him to do that. What kind of marriage will you have if your husband found out that you're not doing it from your own heart? It's because somebody's telling you to do it. Sometimes that's the first sign. You don't spend time with God, really. You see, we preachers, we can be deceived. Because we have to preach every week. We think we are reading the Bible. But when you come to the point where you're only reading the Bible to preach to people, your love for Christ is gone. Oh, I'm reading the Bible. Are you reading the Bible, bro? How can you ask me that question, bro? I'm reading the Bible. No, you're not reading. You're just preparing sermons. It's different. As the state of your private worship, what about when you justify your disobedience? You become judgmental and critical of others. Yeah. Remember the height from which you are falling and repent. Yes. Amen? There's hope because there's repentance. You can repent. I can repent. You have to renounce your sin of pride, self-sufficiency, and self-centeredness and put Christ back at the center of your life, at the center of your Bible talk, at the center of your worship, at the center of your service to God. Christ needs to be number one today, not tomorrow. Repent. Go back to your first deeds. You can do it. Maybe your first day today became pornography. Maybe you're in internet right now, watching what you're not supposed to be watching. Selfish ambition became your first love. Now it's more about title, who is number one, we number two. We have to repent of all this. We have to come back with the right motivation. Yes. And lastly, do the thing you did at first. Amen? Amen? Remember what you did at first. For me, it's very simple. What do I have to remember to keep my further for Christ? I need to go back from the very beginning when I used to write all this card to Patricia. That's a simple thing I have to do. And I used to love Jesus, reading my Bible, and I remember one time in six months I read the Bible twice. I was a young disciple, just loving my Bible, memorizing the scriptures, did the thing that you did at first. We all have a stage, a pioneer stage, where we started with the Lord. Amen? So it's not very complicated. It's not very, you don't need a lot of techniques and, and methods, you need a heart. You need to go back to what you did at first. Amen? What was your favorite prayer posture? Remember when you, how you used to pray before? How were you praying? No, you were not praying like this, you know. Like You had a favorite spot. You had your own sanctuary somewhere. You had that street that was yours. You remember playing on your stomach? You remember crying to God? You remember all those all-night prayer sessions just for yourself, just for your relationship with God, not for the ministry to grow? Go back to that. The warning to finish if you don't do if you don't do that. I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. And we need the lampstand here, stand for the church. And this letter is written to the angel of the church who is a preacher. And sometimes because we are so possessive of our church, we think it is our church. And our church becomes our first love. Christ is like, I'm the king. If you don't change your priorities, I'm going to come and take that church. That has happened to me. And that can happen to anyone. I was leading 14 nations, 22 churches, almost 4,000 disciples. And one day it was all gone. I lost everything through my own disobedience, through persecutions, hardship, 
Everything came together, but God took it away from me. I cannot blame anyone. That was God. And then I found myself naked. All I thought was, what have I achieved? thing that was keeping me from loving Christ. It took it away. It took them away. That was the best thing God ever did to my soul. And thank God. God always gives you a second chance. And God started the kingdom all over again for me. He didn't want me to die. He said, I have, I have hope for you. I have a future for you. And then I thank God keep persevering. I thank God he did not persevere. Because I don't know what would have happened if there was no kingdom anymore. I gave all my life for it. I was 24 when I had my law degree. But I became Christian disciple. I fell in love with Christ and then the kingdom was taken away. If you were not there, if there's no kingdom in Kiev, in Paris, in Abidjan, in New York, if there's no kingdom, my life, I didn't want to see that. And I don't want to see that happen again. Please, brothers and sisters, let's be in love with Jesus. Let's be in love with one another. That's it. And we will evangelize the world in this generation. And to God be all the glory. Amen.